0: You know, uh, the past, if you've been following my messages, thank you so much. If you've been following my messages the past four weeks, they've always been about prayer. It's been a series, or actually it might be five weeks, a series on prayer. And it's uh, not going to be that different today just a little different aspect, or maybe a big different aspect. I don't know. But when you pray, what is one of the key things that you pray for? There's so many things that we could pray about, whether it's family and friends and the various things that seem so important to us. But the thing over the what I want to see over the past four, five, six weeks that I've been praying for in my prayer life more than anything else is revival. That's what I'm praying for because out of revival, I believe everything else will come. All the other desires of my heart and what I believe are the desires of God's heart will come out of revival. Revival. And so I've been praying about this and thinking about it. And, you know, revival, even though the word revival is not in Scripture, but the word revive is in Scripture. And actually the concept of revival is all throughout Scripture. So the way I'm going to use the word revival this evening is that it's a spiritual awakening. It's spiritually coming to life. And God becomes number one in our lives and more important than the world, which is demonstrated by our prayer life. We, we make God number one, I believe, through the evidence of our prayer life. And that means our prayer life has more time quality, intensity, expectation, hearing of God's voice, obeying God and greatly enjoying his presence, and being motivated to a life of service with great joy. And, you know, when I think of service, and we won't talk much about service I I think about feeding the poor, working in the kitchen, ministering to others in some way, giving somebody a ride home, greeting people. It can be as simple as that. I always want to challenge people when I talk about service to when they walk into the sanctuary, do not sit down, but make sure that you greet each person you see and find out something new about them. Find out something new that shows you care but this comes out of i believe our prayer life and god showing us what his heart is and you know it's a spirit of hospitality but prayer to me is our basis for revival i want to read a paragraph written by a fellow by the name of john piper and he wrote an article on revival i've i've read a number of articles recently on revival but this paragraph kind of put it in a perspective I like. So he said this, the idea of revival originates in the reality that on one hand, God is the decisive giver of all spiritual life. And on the other hand, humans, even those who are born again and part of God's covenant family, from time to time, drift into a kind of lifelessness and lethargy and backsliding and indifference and weakness. And when you put those two together, God is the giver of life and man as ever drifting toward lifelessness. What you get is the need for the hope of reviving, coming back to life, a fresh outpouring of God's life-giving spirit on his people. So I think about those words, and I think about how, how do we see revival happen? And it's one thing to be revived personally and, and watch everybody else seem to be lifeless. But, the question would arise, how do we get revival? And there are three, to me, there seem to be three possibilities. One, God alone. He just decides revival and that's the end of it. Number two, your works and your prayers. And number three, a combination of the other two. And that's what I believe. It's a combination. Revival doesn't happen without God ordaining it. I really believe that. But it usually doesn't happen unless we're open to it, desire it, we work for it. And in, if that's the case, if we desire it, if we work for it, if we're open to it, I believe we're halfway there. So I'd like to start with Psalm 85 seven which is a special scripture for me because it speaks to me and I pray this scripture. Lord, will you not revive us again so your people may rejoice in you? I think that's a a word for today. It's a word for our politicians. Wouldn't it be interesting if our politicians rejoiced in the Lord? It would change everything we hear on the news. And I believe that in this scripture, we hear the desire for revival. Now, I do want to mention something. It's, it's I guess, my uh, rabbit trail here for a second, or as other people call it, a rabbi trail. But um, I was asked this week, and it's pertinent to this week, uh, this uh, scripture as well, when I handed out um, memory verses to the kids last Saturday, and one of the moms called and said, "Uh, the verse you gave us is wrong. And I said, ooh, okay. Uh, And as we looked at it, I realized why she thought it was wrong. Just like this verse, if you look in your Bibles uh, and you do not have a TLV, a Tree of Life version, more than likely, this will be Psalm eighty-five six, And you will see that about a number of scriptures in the book of Psalms. And what that is, is, and if we can look here... Um, Psalm 85, 1 and 2, you will find that in Jewish versions, including the TLV, uh, you will see some kind of background uh, in terms of the scripture. So we read here, for the music director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Okay, so that's verse 1. But in most Bibles, like New American Standard and IV and others, they would start verse 1... As you see below, Lord, you showed favor to your land. And you see that is verse 2 in the TLV, and that's the confusion. So when you see that, I, I just wanted to mention it to you so that you don't freak out and say, this is wrong. Okay. More importantly than that, much more importantly than that, Scholars suggest that in Psalm 85, you see a connection between the description in the book of Nehemiah in which only part of the Jewish nation has returned from the Babylonian captivity. And there seems to be a connection between physical salvation, returning to the land, forgiveness of sin, and spiritual salvation or spiritual revival. So let's look at the remainder. Well, actually, let's look at uh, Psalm 85, 1 and 2. We'll start there, uh, or verse 2, which is, Adonai, will you favor your land? Will you restore Jacob from captivity? Now, we'll continue in these verses, and we'll take a look at the idea of revival. Will you bear away your people's iniquity? Will you pardon all all their sins? Almost every time you see the word revive somewhere, a couple verses beforehand, you will see repentance. Almost every time. Will you withdraw all your wrath? Will you turn from your burning anger? And the question isn't, Are you just or unjust? Because the writer here knows that God is just. The problem is we deserve the wrath and the anger, and that's why we've repented of sin. And then it says, Restore us, O God, of our salvation. And I always love to put Yeshua in there because that's the Hebrew instead of the word salvation. Restore us, O God of our Yeshua. And renounce your indignation with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger from generation to generation? Will you not revive us again so your people may rejoice in you? There is that scripture about revival. Show us your mercy, Adonai, And grant us your Yeshua, your salvation. Which is an interesting thing to ponder as grant us your Yeshua. Uh, But the point here is that revival is connected to our, our, our life in terms of whether we are walking in sin or whether we are walking in righteousness. And God, obviously, is requiring righteousness. But also, it shows us that one of the characteristics of revival is that we will rejoice in the Lord. Now, we know from the New Covenant, Philippians 4.4, that God is saying to us, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. But it's in the Lord, and we're rejoicing in Him when we are revived. And very often, when we're not revived, we can't see to rejoice in him. It just doesn't compute to us. Habakkuk 3, 1 and 2. Now, funny enough about this scripture, and I just had to write this in, that verse 1 is a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, as a passionate song, which is a description. It's not really the scripture It's a description. Yet, even though that's similar to what we just read in Psalms where it's a description and the Christian Bibles don't start with verse 1, in Habakkuk they do. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out. It's one of those fun little things you get. Adonai, I have heard the report about you. And I have come to fear. Now, some people really get upset about the fact that they are supposed to fear God. But this kind of fear is reverence. And the reverence is so great that I'm shaking in my boots. It's not a fear that he's going to harm me. It's a fear that I don't deserve to be in his presence because of who he is. And then it says, Adonai, revive your work throughout the years. What is God's work? God's work is to give Israel chance ever after chance, ever chance to repent, to come back to him, and to be in his presence so that they can pray and see God moving among them. And so when it says, Adonai, revive your work through the years, that's what it's talking about. Throughout the years, make it known. In wrath, remember compassion. And so we're asking to be revived here. It's about being in a close relationship with the Almighty. And this description here says that this is a prayer. You know, in verse 1, it says, a prayer of Habakkuk. Now, the reason I point this out is because throughout Scripture, this is a consistent type of prayer, of repentance and asking for God's favor. And I believe this is the kind of prayer that we should be praying as well. The, the, the uh, for asking forgiveness continually puts us within a, a humble spirit, a contrite spirit. And then we have the ability to ask God for things because we've made ourselves humble before the living God. In all truth, we'd be humbled before the living God anyway, but we might not recognize that. He recognizes it. Psalm 80, verse 18 to 20. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you made strong for yourself. Now, we can argue about who that is, but for me, that's Yeshua. Anyway, we'll keep going. Then we will not turn away from you, and and you see, you know why we won't. They won't turn away from God at this point because God, just as it says in Ezekiel, will have written the law in their hearts, and Yeshua and and the Holy Spirit will seal that into them, and so they, you know, somehow prophetically, they understand that this. Will, will change things and God will not turn away from them. And then they say, revive us and we will call on your name, which is kind of weird because they're calling on their name in the Scripture. But what they are saying is that even though we're calling on your name, we want to have the victory. We want to have the power. We're going to call on your name, but we're going to do it with a lot more success and and and. Authority after you revive us. So revive us. Adonai siva Tzivaot, the Lord God of hosts. Restore us. Make your face shine and we will be saved. So we are asking God for life. Also, I believe that... Um, since Yeshua is the giver in a sense of life, of certainly of spiritual life, we're asking, even with this Hebrew scripture, to know Yeshua, because he is the one who allows us to be born again with new life. Now, another scripture that talks about revival is Isaiah 57.15. And it gives us some insight, starting with verse 13. It says, when you cry out, will your collection of idols save you? So I think, obviously, that is the problem that we have in today's world, as well as back then when this was written. Most people have idols before God. And the question is, will those idols save them? And the answer is, of course not. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me. Now, the past couple weeks, we were talking about being in God's presence and praying in God's presence. And so he who takes refuge in me, in the Lord, will possess the land, who will have victory and will inherit God's holy mountain? And then it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every stumbling block out of the way of my people. And when I think of this line of removing every stumbling block out of my way of my people, I think of Matthew 17:20, which we discussed last week about the mustard seed of faith and, and moving a mountain. And when we move that mountain with the mustard seed of faith, nothing is impossible for us. And so revival is is literally right around the corner as we move mountains and things that we would normally stumble on God wants to make our path straight. Verse 15 For thus says the high and exalted one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in a high and holy place yet also with a contrite and humble spirit. Which is, I mean, our goal is not to be God, but our goal certainly would be to be high and, and, and lifted up. I mean, we want success. We want all that. But even though God is God of everything, he has a contrite and humble spirit. And he's here to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite. So one of the keys to revival is for our heart to be humble and contrite before the Lord. And we need to pray for ourselves to be humble and contrite because it does not usually come normally. So a prayer that I believe in you most of you know i love to pray scripture so here's the scripture that i would pray for revival and that i will be praying as i've as i've worked for this message and and i said oh my goodness why haven't i been praying this scripture honestly i haven't been but after tonight it will become part of my quiet time because listen to this these Ephesians 3, starting with 16. I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his ruach so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to grasp with all the kiddushim, all the holy ones, all the believers, what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. I Imagine being filled up with all the fullness of God. I, I'm thinking that that's going to be experiencing revival. That that, that would just be my guess. Now, it's easy to pray for others with this Scripture because that's how the Scripture is written. Paul's praying for others. But all we have to do is change the pronouns. Lord, I pray that from your glorious riches, you would grant me to be strengthened in my inner being, with power through your ruach. And so on and so forth. And so we pray that scripture into our spirit. I'm believing for revival in this year. I don't know if it's going to start tonight or tomorrow, but I believe this year we are going to see something that we've been praying for and waiting on for years. And I... You know, I, that's what I expect. In time, in the time of Yeshua, we see the disciples do lots of miracles, and they were around Yeshua every day. Yet, they needed revival. And in Acts one four, Yeshua told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And so, in Acts 1-14 all these with one mind were continuing together in prayer along with the women and Miriam and Yeshua's mother and his brothers. Now, for me, this is important because we know that what follows with biggest revival, certainly, uh, with 3,000 being saved, that, that would be a revival, certainly. But you know... Let's look at what happened. First of all, they were obedient to Yeshua. And they waited. And, you know, having read a little bit about the disciples, you can imagine some of them were saying, after all we've done, we've healed people, we've we've been all over the place. We've spread the gospel. He wants us to wait in Jerusalem. I mean... What's the sense of waiting? We should go out and do it. But Yeshua says, wait. And that's really important. Plus, he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we go ahead of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But then, somehow, these 120 of men and women who are in this prayer meeting are in one mind. I mean, that's got to be a miracle. 120 people of one mind? What were they praying about? I've got to believe they were praying about revival. Since they weren't being allowed to go out and do stuff, they were praying for the power that when they finally got out of that prayer meeting they would be on fire, and people would accept the Lord. That's what they were praying for, in my opinion, I believe. Look, it doesn't say it, so I can't guarantee it, but that's the only thing I can think of that would bring people together in one mind. So they had a group prayer meeting. They had great perseverance. They had great patience and one mind. And uh, look, I don't talk that much about Tuesday night prayer. But one day, I believe there are going to be 100 people here for Tuesday night prayer. And I'm going to tell you that our average is five or six. And I don't care. That's not totally true. But what I mean by that is we're not going to stop Tuesday night prayer if there's only one person here, which is me. And we will broadcast Tuesday night prayer as well. And I'm praying that people will have prayer parties. They will invite people over to listen and be part of the prayer for our United States. Anybody feel we don't need prayer in the United States? And so Tuesday night, that's what we're here for. That's what we're dedicated for from 6.30 to 7.30. We pray from 6.00 to 6.30 without Facebook Live because it's congregational prayer. And I just don't want it going out all over the place necessarily. But from 6.30 to 7.30, we pray about the United States. We pray about Israel. We pray about the world. And I believe that I'm following this Order that God has given, which is obeying, waiting, being in one mind, coming together with a group, and praying, and I'm expecting. So, we know what happened in the book of Acts. In chapter 2, 1 through 4, they came together And suddenly there was like a a mighty rushing wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each one of them. Which is an interesting thought because most of the paintings or the pictures that you see having to do with this... Period, whether you call it Shavuot or Pentecost, is they're outside somewhere. And that's not what this says. They're still in their prayer room. And that's where God does it. And somehow the people who are not there are seeing it. So there's, there's either open windows or I don't know exactly what it is. But then they're all filled and, and uh, began speaking in tongues as the ruach enabled them to speak out. The thing that turns me on is 3,000 Jewish people later accepted the Lord. So something really was amazing. And I, I want to say about revival that the power of prayer, and I have a slide on this, is our faith, put into action, agreeing with God's will to accomplish his purposes. And so I believe that's the prayer, the power of prayer for revival. I believe revival is the only thing that will save our country at this point. And so I pray once again, will you not revive us again so your people may rejoice in you, Lord? Lord, I just thank you and praise you for this time that we've had. And I just ask as we continue to worship you, Lord, that you would touch our hearts. And then we would sense the revival spirit that you want to place in us. And not only will we be changed and transformed, but the people around us will be changed and transformed. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua.